Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Hello, bonjour, good day, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are right now in your life, wherever you are. Hello and welcome to IRC Book Club, the show where once a week, Michael and I sit down, which used to be face to face in an office, but now we seem to do it over Zoom uh, and we talk about books, business books, sales books. And this week we've got an unusual show for you because normally if you're a listener, you'll know we bring you a book. We cover it over four weeks. We read the whole book and it gets a discussion. But this week is a single episode of a single book because if we're really honest, we really didn't like this one. And the thought of spending four more weeks of our lives reading it just didn't resonate and we didn't see why we should put you through it. But we're going to tell you about it anyway. We're going to crack on. And the book is called It Starts With Clients, Your 100-Day Plan to Build Lifelong Relationships and Revenue. So, Pricey, let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, to start with, this was a recommendation from a guy who I know listens to Book Club, who I think is probably one of the best red sales people I know. Agreed. James is very well read. Yeah, and I mean, some of the other books that he's recommended, the negotiation one, Chris Voss, that was one of his recommendations. Yeah. And a few others, actually, have been absolutely right on the money. So I I buy the recommendations that he makes quite willingly, and when they arrive, I think, yeah, this is going to be all right. And actually, so the concept of the book is a nice concept, isn't it? A 100-day plan. Yeah. And let's get it right. Everybody likes a everybody likes a plan. Broken Mike, down I, into... I, I've I've bought a book this morning which is a forty two a forty two day plan on breaking ninety on the golf course. Yeah, I mean I I, I hope that works. <laughs> you know, I know the golf course you play at. I think it might take longer than forty two days. You've got a nice swing, but that's a harder golf course than your swing, I think. To the, what than finding twelve shots in forty two days. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give you one tip on the golf course. Actually, play it in play it in whole um, uh, one whole at a time. Rounds of no, no, play it in rounds of six, not nine. Yeah, well, so that's the, what I was I'm reading. Taught. I'm reading another book about the mental game of golf at the moment, which talks about just one shot at a time. I was used to play very well with hangover. Yeah, because like, you can't I, think straight. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Anyway, so getting back to the book. So the idea of the book is hundred days. You know, the guy's got like a nice looking background. You know, the introduction is good. Uh, it's got some really good recommendations in the front of it. And you start and you think, all right, this is going to be all right, this book. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, there's some stuff in the first in the first chapter, you know, day one. You know, I, I thought it was really started quite well, actually. Um, Absolutely. And, and he's good stuff. And he's clearly well-respected. This is a guy that's got a publishing deal with Wiley. Wiley signed good authors. Well, I mean, I didn't know that, but, you know, you, you, look, at, you look at page six and he, and he talks about the difference between advisors and salespeople and experts and specialists. And I'm thinking, yeah, all right, this is great. 
you know, he talks about the guy when clients are just friends and he goes, you know, I hear this a lot uh, about, you know, how people don't differentiate between friends uh, and, you know, prospects. He's got this thing called the Rainmaker Zone on page eight, which is like a sort of takeoff of a Gartner Magic Quadrant stroke seven habit style quadrant with all yeah. the takers in the bottom left, the Rainmaker in the top right. Starts great, you know. 20 pages in, I'm enjoying reading it, actually. It was uh, the, 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 the concept, that was useful, the concept of differentiating between customers and friends. And I, I shudder often where salespeople come in and say, I consider some of my clients friends. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because I've done this job for 20 years and I knock about with lots of very like-minded people. They're salespeople, they're a similar age to me, they're into similar things that I'm into. Quite a few of them live fairly close to me. I'm not friends with any of them. No, you have good relationships with them. Great relationships with and them. And enjoy, immensely enjoyable relationships with them. Love speaking to them. Yeah. Love spending time with lots of them. You know, and should you go out socially on a night, on a Wednesday night in London for a curry, they're fabulous company. Brilliant, yeah. But, I, but I've not called them this weekend to help me lift the granite worktop onto the top of my barbecue. <laughs> I haven't, have I? No, you've not. There's there's other people for that. There's other people yeah. you're like, mate, I've got a problem here. You need to come around. You're not ringing them to bury a body at four in the morning, are you? Exactly. But I think this this guy, you know, he sort of is. He He's ringing the chief exec of a £30 million PLC and saying, listen, this granite I've got to put on top of my... Uh, Pizza oven, it's a bit heavy for me in the missus. Any chance you can come round? Well, I also think that uh, I know a guy who has made a career out of being extremely close to and social with people that he's done business with, and that's made him significant amounts of money and he's been successful. I also know he's looking back at this period of his life uh, in his mid-late 50s having realised that actually he left a lot of his real friendships, substituted them with professional ones in order to get ahead, and it's left a monumental vacuum in his life. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mon- so you know, Monumental. I, I can understand that, yeah. And then, and then, so we get into week one, and week one's pretty good. He's on about choosing your target. You know, there's a hand-drawn picture of a lion looking at zebras, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the concept yeah. is, is is absolutely right. He says you end up with a lot of clients who historically are just clients just because you once dealt with them. But actually, they're not prospects that you would go after. You know, let's get it right, Johnny. There's a, um, there was a tender out recently for a supply of uh, recruitment services to a big PLC. Yeah, We've dealt with that company because that company bought companies that we dealt with. And actually, we just get invited to you know, the uh, the party in terms of tendering for the response. But you look at that company, they are not a target client of ours. The no. technology is dog-old. They're massive. It's price-driven. You can't speak to a decision-maker. They've got an appalling name in the market. They are not a prospect that we would go after at all. No. And, and we've talked about this before on the show, and he's absolutely in the right place here. One of the wisest smartest things we ever did was getting extremely clear about what an ideal client was for us. Yeah. But I'm not just talking about a bit clear. We're extremely clear on it, aren't we? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What does a good customer really look like? 
and the, and then actually picking prospects on a list and saying, you look like a good prospect, you look like a shit one. And that well, in itself saying, is incredibly powerful. Well, it's interesting. A guy said to recently, it was it was all right, a bit aggressive with it really, Who a guy I canvassed. He said, why have you canvassed me? I said, here's why I've canvassed you, because you're a perfect prospect for me. And he hesitated. And I went, so do you know what that means? And he went, well, I said, I'm going to tell you what it means. It means if you're a perfect prospect to me and I have researched your company well, in theory, I should be a good supplier to you. Yeah. And we had a good conversation about that. I think that's important, isn't it? Because let's say this massive PLC that are going to tender, where I think the recruitment fees, you told me, got down to 9% or something like well, that. Well, they went out to e-auction. Um, it was the first week of lockdown and it went, well, it was my first week of lockdown because I got poorly two weeks before everyone else got locked down. But it was the first week of the lockdown. I sat at home doing the e-auction and at 9%, I messaged you on Teams to say, I'm going for my lunch. Yeah, exactly. My point is, is if we'd won that as a prospect... We'd have not serviced it. A terrible prospect for us. Interestingly, they're going back out to auction. So whoever did win it hadn't thought about that carefully and have wasted a monumental amount of time. Whoever did win it hasn't serviced it at all. They must have wasted a month. Oh, and more. The, well, it it was first week of March. It was March the 10th I came down with a stinking cold, Pricey. And therefore, it was socially the right thing to do to not go out. Um, and it was that week, March, I think it was March the 11th. Crazy, isn't it? But anyway, so this book's starting well, and anybody listening is going... Why have they been in it after one show? I'll tell you why. Because it starts well. It just gets boring. <laughs> And it boring, patronising, and facile. I felt. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like Lots. some of the books that we've read have been very simplistic, and we've had a conversation, which is, "It's my first day in sales. Should I read it?" This is a book. I'd say I no. I think. Well, this is a book suited to. It's my first day in sales, and if you said to me, "Listen, it's my first day in sales. Should I read it?" I'd say no. Read something else. It's a really interesting one because he talks about week two as being get recognized and he talks about content and the way he talks about it. Now I'm going through a personal, what's the word I'm looking for? Menopause. I'm going through a social media menopause, Mike. I know you are, yeah. That's why I use the term. Yeah, I'm going through a social media menopause. I'm just rethinking what social media and our content strategy means to us. You know, I've stopped doing a pint with JG. I've changed the way I'm creating content on LinkedIn. And those of you who follow me on LinkedIn will see I'm making an announcement that I'm taking a a holiday and a mini retirement from the LinkedIn platform. And um, a lot of that is because actually I've been getting on my phone and I've been enjoying it much more than sitting there hoping that social media will do something for me. And I actually think that we've reached the point of peak social media and content saturation. And that if you've not already got a presence, and if you haven't already cut through, and if you haven't already got a podcast that's got X many thousand listeners, I think that now is not the time to do it. And if I was advising a young salesperson now, and he said to me, what should I do? Should I start a video blog? Or what I'd say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to read a lot about the market. You're going to make sure that you know what you're talking about. And then tomorrow morning, you make 10 cold calls. Then in the afternoon, you can write a shit blog post no one will read. 
But the whole yeah. getting recognised thing, I just think, has got to a point where everybody's so bothered about it, it's actually nobody is recognisable anymore. Fair enough. And that's why I didn't like week two. And I just sat there thinking, this is not sage advice in twenty in 2020. Now, that might be because the platforms that business people use have got so noisy in the lockdown that there is no wood for any of the trees. But right now, if a young salesperson rang me, if one of my, if my nephew rang me and said, I'm getting out of investment banking, I'm going to become an IT salesman. Well, what's my first move? I wouldn't say your first move is a video blog and a podcast and, and content. I would not say that's his first move. So I don't, so at that point on week two, I'm already sat there thinking that's not sage advice. It's a, t- an, an inno- it's a massive time thief. You know, we can shoot this, we can record this podcast and we've got really slick at getting this out the door now. But it's going to take two hours of the week, an hour recording it and an hour getting it out the door. That's two hours over the course of a year. That's a hundred hours. So that's four working days of your year. Ooh, that's before you've done yeah. any other, uh, before you've done any other content. Caveat emptor for me. Fair enough. And then actually you get onto week three, which is the next chapter. Uh, and my next note was, on, because I always put a note at the start of each chapter, I've put an okay chapter where I learn nothing. <laughs> Find your clients. What did it mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, so on page 41, he's got a picture of a sales funnel that I feel like I've seen it a thousand times. Um, what is interesting actually about the sales funnel is easy goes number of conversions with client conversations with clients, prospect times, percentage of conversations that identify an urgent issue times, percentage of opportunities, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's been said a million times and better by other people. Brad Sugar said it miles better, I thought. Um, but um, <laughs> it's interesting when, you, when I speak to my prospects and I say, what's your conversion ratio from, from conversation to lead? To None lead? of them ever know. Very few of them. Very few. I, I, there was that guy, Jacob, that you placed once. I bet he knows. Oh, Jacob Wardrop. Superb. Yep. I mean, I don't. I, I, I think mentioned people's names. Don't know his name's Jacob Wardrop. Uh, actually, he's probably one of the best top ten I've ever I've ever had anything to do with. I didn't place him actually, but I have placed people with him. Right. But I mean, if you phoned him up right now and said, "Right, what's your conversion ratio from decision maker through to sale? Can you break down each component part?" He'd tell you the answer. The other one that was very good, like that, was Joe Fulton, who was the sales and marketing director of Daytel. Well, she you know, created a really good money-making machine there, didn't she? Let's get it right. They were just, and I don't mean it in a derisory manner, but they're just a sagery seller. But what a successful business. And actually, guess what? She knew a conversion ratio across the piece. There's a guy called Richard, who's a sales director at Insight. I can remember meeting him online. I asked him the question. He gave me a very detailed answer. But guess what? I can remember the conversations. There's so few of them where people know the conversion rates. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and therefore going back to this, it, 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 you know, he names the chapter, the first, I mean, you're on to week four, master the first meeting. There's a picture of a guy with some wilted flowers and a girl at a table with a glass of wine. And he, he, he's sort of denoted as being a bit smelly like Charlie Brown because there's flies around him. I don't really get the, uh, 
the, the, the image at all. Prepare smartly, yeah, great. Build in flexibility. Bring two good ideas to the meeting. Build rapport. It, it, it was the drivers of rapport. I guess it was rubbish. Um, just be warm and authentic. Show an interest in the other person. I mean, you know, it's just not, not very good, is it? You, you nope. can think of other, other books that are miles better in every respect, really. Are you likable? Find commonalities. And, it's just... I, Exude energy and enthusiasm. Well, just, uh, 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 you know, at this point, what we, how many pages in? I found Hello. myself, I'm 61 pages of 253, 28% of the way through the book. I am at this point sat on my sofa watching rugby league in the background or whatever it is I do. I'm just not into this at all. And that's why really we've, we've elected to, to but it's, this well, well, it's interesting, you know, I, so, so I read the books and my oldest daughter, Honey, reads at the same time and we sit there <laughs> and she goes, well, she, she knows quite a lot about selling now. And um, she quite often, she'll say, what do you think of the book? And I'll say, I don't like it, honey, it's hard work. And she'll say, well, why are you still reading it? And, you know, like the Drucker book, oh my God, that was hard work to read. But We I learned a lot, though, and we learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know, the recent one by Kialdini, whatever it was. Was it Persuasion or something? Learned loads, and we got a couple of massive takeaways that have been yeah, really, yeah. really valuable to us. But they were really hard to read. So Honey would go, are you enjoying the book? I'd go, no, not really. She'd say, are you going to keep reading it? I'd say, yeah. On this one, she said, are you enjoying the book? I'd go, no, not really. She said, are you going to keep reading it? I said, no. And she looked shocked because it's the first one I've said no on. She said, why are you going to, re- why are you going to keep reading it? I said, because honestly, Honey, I just think it's boring. I'm, I'm, I'm finding my mind drifting. I'm not learning anything from the guy at all. And actually, if you turn around and said, right, I'm going to become a salesperson, not a teacher. She's 11. She's got a heart set <laughs> a teacher. And he said, I'm going to become a salesperson. Should I read it? I'd say no. And it's just a straight up no for me, this book. It's a funny one, isn't it? So, I mean, it's a short show for us this week, really. There's not a lot to talk about. We've not enjoyed it. I, 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 the only it, it thing we a can short say... show, but I think it's the 100th show, actually. No, we're on, I think we're 98, 99. Ah, right. There's no way this is the 100th show. We're coming up for 100 shows, and, and I think we might do something special for the 100th show, like a little okay. party. Do it naked or something. So a, little this lo- one. a little party. So yeah. this one, I'm afraid, listeners, I Don't hope you it. haven't... Don't buy it. Don't spend your money on it. Don't read it along with us. You ain't going to learn anything. James will talk. I'd love to know why you loved it so much. I'd love him to come on the show because his recommendations are so good. The Chris Always Voss book. Always great. He recommended the Chris Voss book. He's going to go and yeah. grab this month's next book. I've got this month's next book in front of me because I'm prepared. As am it's I. called uh, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. I've read a bit of it, actually. And it's, right. it's it started well. Has it? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt it, about it. It started really well. It gets mixed reviews on the Tamazon. Well, I, I, I like what I've seen thus far. But a few, pe- far. a few people we've spoken to have said, it's a game changer. It'll really get you thinking. And I, I'm up for that. You know, somebody who's going to tell me how to get a meeting with anyone. Because I, I have uh, a personal theory, Mike, about meetings. I have a personal theory about selling, which is most people are all right when you put them in front of a customer. I think if you've got a, a reasonable modicum of intellect, if you're bright, intelligent, and you want to win, and you've got an half-decent product, if I get you enough meetings, 
you'll probably get there or thereabouts to target. Yeah, a big part of the battle's been in the room, isn't it? You know, that's it and all about it. Yeah, I, I reckon if you've got a mediocre sales guy, you take a mediocre sales guy and you say, right, okay, he's got enough meetings, not many of them had missed target. Yeah, completely agree. Absolutely agree, yeah. You know, a- and and I reckon if you took, if you got most senior sales leaders on board and said, right, you've got a sales guy in your team, he's doing loads of meetings, good ones, well-qualified, good first meetings, but it's not quite happening for the guy. What are you going to do? They'd say, well, I'm not firing him. Completely agree, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not firing him. I'm going to find out what... Every time. They're going to say, I'm not going to fire him. I'm going to find out why it's not quite happening for the guy because I'll tell you what, he's burning shoe leather, this lad, and he's out on the streets and he's making it happen. But if you've got a senior sales leader and said, you've got a guy here, it's not quite happening for him. And in reality, he's not doing a lot of meetings and he's not creating a lot of activity. They'd say he can go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Without a yeah, second, so, without a second thought. So I think a book on how to get a meeting with anyone has to have value. Completely agree. Well, like I said, I've started it. Read the first, you know, twenty pages, something like that. It started really well. So after this little short show, we will see you all next Monday for how to get a meeting with anyone by Stu Heinicke. And at that, we bid you goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>